Motorcycles and Misfits and Cleveland Moto Podcast. Prepare yourself for another fun-filled adventure hour of the American Motorcycle Association at AMA Vintage Days at Mid-Ohio Race Car Course. The sound sound of awesome is happening behind us and we're sitting here looking at each other wondering what horrible mistake we've made. (laughs) It's dark and it's air conditioned. (laughs) You want to call them out? Yeah, so let's talk about who is here in the tower. We're in the special tower. In the tower. And uh, somebody pop one. Good <laughs> hey everyone, this is I'm Liza. How you doing? Running the board tonight. We've got. I am Zach. Zach. I am Zach. And you are there. I am oh, your humble narrator, Phil Waters. Emma, darling. Naked Jim. I suck toes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Dustin. Hey, hey guys, welcome coming in. We still got people coming in. Yeah, there's a little bit more room. Uh, don't lean against the door. It opens out. Found <laughs> we that actually out yesterday. have a live crowd tonight. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, and while we're here, I want to give a big thanks to Serena for setting this Everybody up. Everybody, give hey, a little bit of love hey. to Serena. Hey. Hey. Um, it, it's kind of like a trust fall. I'm like, hey, let us do a podcast. She has no idea what she's in for. Worst it's like, I promise I'll catch you. So... Um, the way I'm seeing this, we've got a giant peanut gallery this afternoon. We so, have a giant peanut guys, would you make some noise so when we broadcast this, people can actually know that there were other people in the room? So, yeah. peanut just, gallery. Just <laughs> so, normally on the uh, Motorcycles and Misfits podcast, first thing we talk about is what we're working on or what we did this week. And, man, we've done so much here at AMA week, Vintage man. Days. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. This is the second time I've been here. I, I was lucky enough to join Phil last year. And uh, Miss Emma, Naked Jim, and Zach, first time. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys want to rattle off some of the things you've done, some of your highlights? God, what haven't we done? I mean, this, if you like old motorbikes, this is, this is heaven. This is Nirvana. It's as good as it gets. I have never seen so many CT70s in one place. It seems you've got to have one to come in. It, it, I want to buy it all and take it back to California. Um, yeah. What, you know, I mean, what have we done? We, we've done we, a lot. Yeah, what I notice is, 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 A, the people here could not be nicer. I have met the nicest people. I'm washing zeros in the mud pit. I'm, I actually, I actually high-sided one of Phil's zeros in the first 15 <laughs> minutes I was here. And I met 20 friends instantly. So you guys are the nicest people I've ever met in my life. With that said, it's like 10 monkeys on a football out here. There's motorcycles going this way, that way, everywhere, <laughs> and it just works like a charm. So if, I, I understand all of y'all appreciate what you have here. What you have here is something truly special. Now, There's nothing else like this ever. Did you notice the formula yet? Because it's like the bigger the guy, the smaller the bike. <laughs> you notice that formula? Big dudes on small bikes. Yeah. That sums it up. Yeah. That is could that... be a calendar. Yeah. It, it... No, 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 no. Zach, what's been one of your highlights here? That should be the motorcycle. Uh, well, it's calendar. Big dudes on small exactly. bikes. Exactly. Right. 
Uh, well, no, I just been riding around that BW two two hundred. With, with, with a sombrero. What the hell is it with shirtless? I don't know if you guys have seen him. I, I, Couldn't I don't be know. happier. I love that thing. Are it you just, gonna have a motorsexual moment? No, it, it just fills me with like the true <laughs> essence of motorcycle. You cruising around some dirt and some gravel, hanging out, smoking, ride. Like it's just the perfect thing. I really want to buy it from you, but I will will never use it if I do. You can leave it in my garage. Uh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, that's you have, to, one of you have the things, to pay for it, though. Well, and that's another thing. Like, we have bikes that we just own from Mid Ohio. We have actual stuff occupying space in our garage that's like, that's the perfect Mid Ohio bike. Because here it is the perfect bike. You're like, yeah, CT90? Sure, why not? Try and ride it to work one day. It's a horrible mistake, but here it's just, it's perfect. It works. It's got just the right, tra- the right traction. It's got just the right payload capacity for that dumb thing you're bringing up back to your campsite. And it also can be with its friends and be reunited with, you know, others of its tribe. That's like the mid-Ohio experience is the guy is eclipsing the Honda Z50 he's sitting on. And there's just like, what is that under him? And how is it running? <laughs> Has anybody seen the, the Kawasaki triple two-stroke mini bike? You That's hear like it before you S1, see it. right? Yeah. It is bonkers. And you're like, yep, 70-year-old guy riding it. <laughs> Perfectly well-built. Makes perfect sense. The tire is eight inches. Hooked to three-cylinder two-stroke fury. And the noise it makes is just like, get out of my way. And Phil, I got to say, when I saw that, the first yeah. thing I thought is, I want to strap a milk crate to that yes. and get pulled behind. <laughs> my so. God. Chariot racing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he would wheelie so fast. <laughs> speaking of which, Naked Jim, I'm quite upset. I brought those homemade chariots all the way from Santa Cruz out here so on, lies, sli- on skids. I could not get anyone to ride them as soon as I leave. They're riding around the campgrounds on they chariots. They don't know what chariots are. Do you guys are. know so what chariots are? Chariots, let me, let me translate. <laughs> you take a snowboard, you cut it in half. Now you have two big dumb things. Chariots. Then you put a milk crate to the snowboard with an eye bolt and a piece of rope, and you sit on the milk crate, put your feet on the front of the snowboard, and let an idiot pull you through the mud and grass or gravel or whatever. And you need a bigger idiot to sit on it. Yeah. Preferably wearing an evil Knievel costume <laughs> or mostly naked. And they do this, and they'll do this for hours, and they're just endlessly entertained by it. I've tried it once and put another person from Ohio with it. We did one lap, and we were like, mission accomplished, done, did it, never doing it again. And they just won't stop. We will be going. racing them later. Oh God, find us man. in the corner. Yeah, find us in the corner. Yes, we the, will. The school buses. Yeah, yeah go. 50 cents a ride. Yeah, if, how to know where we're camped is there are two unsafe at any speed school buses pointing at each other. They're both still school bus yellow and they're both questionably legal and they're aimed at each other in the campsite and you know 200 meters down the road from that is the biggest party you've ever seen tonight. Lou Vinmoto has been given like a beer ration a disco ball and 10,000 watts of power and they're going to use all of it. I mean it's it's bonkers and uh, apparently fireworks are illegal in the state of Ohio. So, 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 so sit the sheriff. So sure they are. According to the sheriffs, yeah, yeah. And I'm supposed to know that because I live in Ohio. And I was like, according to Black Cat and Phantom, that shit is totally legal. So, but hey, yeah. so Phil, yeah, are we going to talk about keeping old bikes on the road? Oh, we will, but I haven't we'll said what was my favorite thing it. yet. Thanks, Jim. Squirrel, go. So, you know, here at AMA Vintage Day, something that's amazing. You hear the road racing going on behind us. I've seen trials. 
I walked into the woods, saw hair scrambles. At one point, I think I was on the track. I was very concerned. <laughs> Where do I stand? There's uh, motocross racing. There's every type of racing going on here. But that's not your favorite, is it? That is not my favorite. My favorite is the unsanctioned barrel racing over in the campground with every idiot on any kind of wheels they can get to run. I've seen guys on, in golf carts with a beer out there next to people on two strokes, sliding it sideways, kids on trikes, you get it all. There was a guy out there on a vintage two-stroke street bike a with Suzuki. a beer in his mouth. The whole beer. He did two laps and finished. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in and heaven. Jim and I were just watching, like, how are there no fatalities? It's a it's, miracle. It is the most amazing thing to watch. Brute force and ignorance? I guess so. I said the, the only thing keeping that guy on that two-stroke alive was his stupidity and the that didn't tell him to slow down. Beforehand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was very I'm, fluid. It makes no sense that the pizza delivery golf carts outnumber the ambulances and, <laughs> and transport systems for people who are going to get hurt here. Just And not even hurt on the track. Those people are trained professionals who know what they're doing. There are safety parameters. What are you trying to say, Phil? What's going on in the campsite is wrong. And it's uh, It's beautiful. But it's wrong. And yes, it is. It's, uh, who lived through the monsoon of 2017? Yes. Man. Yes. Do you guys all know what we're talking about? Did anybody sleep in a tent on Thursday night? Yeah, and you're okay. here. You guys okay. are going to get special tattoos. Yeah. Did you you're, yeah, you're, Did you change cool. campsites during that moment unwillingly? <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they watched all their shit. Wait, were you the guy in your underwear running around holding onto the tent? Me. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That was cool, man. Phil, why don't you give a brief description of what uh, we encountered? We had four misfits and one Cleveland Moto guy hanging on to $600 worth of pop-up tent. <laughs> and we were losing. And we were losing. Just It was violent. And I'm going to give you the schedule of events. It's uh, 7 a.m. Welcome to the world's most clear PA announcement. Uh, we're going to announce the uh, Pixie class going to be lining up here. And uh, don't remember to go to the infield and see the wall of death. And uh, just pay no attention to the giant monsoon that's approaching from the south. And oh, yeah, and by the way, and oh, no, there goes a million pop-up tents. It was a FEMA disaster area. It was just like the carnage. There, I've never seen anything. It, 70 mile an hour sustained winds hit with not a one drop of water to warn you it was going to happen. I saw the guy across from us had a 10 by 10 Harbor Freight pop-up lashed in with tie-down straps to two dirt bikes. When it hit, he was still in his tent. <laughs> he came unzipped the tent to see the the pop-up and the dirt bikes go past him at 30 miles an hour directly into the side window of his F-150. And the window just shattered. And I was like, oh, man, he's boned. But I realized there everybody was boned. Nobody got away clean. It was just like it was open season on anything that could fly. It, if it could take wind... I said, thank God this wasn't an ultralight convention. <laughs> or a trailer park. Because either one would have been just eradicated from history. It was, it was desperate. I, I'm just glad we're as big as we are. Because right. Zach, the skinny no, one, Zach he was, was getting airborne. lifted in the air. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was holding well, this, you told me to stop holding them so tight. <laughs> well, that, it was possible because you were naked in a sombrero. Yeah, it was pretty good. At 7 in the I was, morning. So. I was wearing a shirt. It, it was you have video evidence, Jim. Yeah, but it was, it, was a, it was a good introduction to the day. We just had so much fun, and we were just cackling, soaking wet. Yeah. But, like, I'm in. This is fun. This is 
officially Mid and Ohio. Is there anyone here? Is this your first time here at Mid Ohio? Yeah. Oh my, are you oh, having? Are you job. having fun? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Mid Ohio. The chafing will set in tomorrow. Because yeah. if you're not having fun, I'm going to put your ass on a milk crate and yeah. tow you behind a trail 70 <laughs> until you are having fun. <laughs> we have ways to fix your not having fun. If you're bored and stuff here, you, you wrong event. Yeah, that's it. Well, and I just also want to say, I know a lot of you, I recognize you've come up and said hi to us. I really appreciate it. It's so cool. Uh, to put a face to a lot of our listeners, and and because I know anyone who listens to us, you're our people. Yeah. We are we are all alike, and I love it. And when I come to an event like this, this is our Burning Man. This yeah, is, is thousands right. of our people yeah. with a, the same common interest. But the the one thing we I think we all have in common, I I'm pretty sure everyone here has a fondness for old bikes. And if you've taken a ride through this giant swap meet how many acres is this thing it's the largest in the country Crazy. it's huge there's so many things for sale and for us i think the only thing keeping us from buying anything is we got to get on a plane it can't fit in my luggage i'm oh, not taking it but i'm oh. making plans for next year we're gonna buy a trailer <laughs> we're gonna rent the truck and we're bringing a shitload of old bikes back but i wanted to talk about how you keep old bikes on the road not just keeping when you go through and you buy one of these bikes at the swap meet or on craigslist you take it home and you now have a new relationship with an old bike and you know it's a relationship because it's here this is like this is another one of your wives by this point right oh you're no? going to give way more attention to old <laughs> motorcycles than you will you know they say multiple motorcycles one partner that's the secret to a happy existence. Don't switch it the other way. Right. You know, that's, you can't have one bike and like 20 side pieces. And, and I want to make last. it clear, this is not restoring old bikes. Nope. This is no, not restoring no. old bikes 101. That's not what we do. No, it's getting it on the road. Getting it on the road, yeah. keeping it on the road as a practical proposition. And, te so, and teaching people how to ride safely. Exactly, and yeah. wrenching. For those who don't know, we all come out of the Recycle Garage in Santa Cruz. I'm sure a lot of you know it by now. There's a couple people who may not know. And it's a free co-op garage, and it's just started out of uh, wanting to support the community. And I just feel that mentoring the community, helping people, teaching them how to fix the bike, how to ride the bike, what movies to see, you know, just helping them in any way you can, it just furthers our community and keeps these old bikes on the road any way we can. Phil has the approach of, just give it to me and let me fix it right. Yeah, stop. <laughs> Step away from the wrenches. We have people who've been doing this for 20 or 30 years. You've, you and this biker, we need, to, we need to have an intervention. And I've been a, a person that's always had vintage motorcycles since I was a child because we garbage picked them. Because that was how you got your bikes. I know Dustin was riding little tiny dirt bikes when he was a kid and had to keep yep. it alive. Yeah, if you wanted to ride, yeah. could you take it to the dealership and have them fix it? Nope. Not on that budget. No yeah. way. So that's a big part of what we do. And we've always kind of had that mentality of like, let's just get old cheap bikes and run them and make it more kind of make it more about what we can put into the bike. Nobody was trying to build bikes for competition. Nobody's trying to build bikes to win shows. We were trying to build bikes to be the impetus to be like, hey, look, I built that. Now I'm going to sell it for 200 more than I paid for it, and I'm going to buy another one. And they just get increasingly better and better and better until you're like uh, onto something that isn't an abomination or isn't an eyesore. And that's kind of how we came up through the ranks of having a bigger garage. 
and then a much bigger garage, and then other people's garages, and then storage units, and then you need an intervention. You got to stop. The uh, but yeah, that's the thing is you're just getting junk and making it work for you. But it's something you liked or fell in love with. Is anyone here a member of Motoholics Anonymous? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. This does look like a meeting, yeah. doesn't when it? You, when you ignore your family or lie about an obligation you have to go in the garage, and you ever said, oh, yeah, I'm going to put in a couple hours at work today, but secretly you're in the garage, you have a problem. Okay. When your family suffers, you I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Here we go. How many people here? Nobody's going to judge you. Have <laughs> I two, <know>. two bikes. <laughs> Two bikes. Oh. Yeah, two. Oh, that's like. Okay. Geez, there's t- three. Fourteen hands. Three. Four. There. Oh man. We're five. Still on five. Five motorcycles. Nice. Five motorcycles. Six. Hey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Seven. More hands are going up. Okay. Seven. Six. More than six. Oh, dear God. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. There you go. All right. I love everyone. Wait, I know you see. Yeah, just for fun. Go ahead. Front row. 18 wow. motorcycles. Ah, 18. 18. In truth, only 15 are vintage. Okay, and how many run? <laughs> uh, I've got seven licensed and You've got 11 yeah. out of 18 11 running? 11 out of 18 that are running. Congratulations. Dude, so, a, yeah, so here's my he's question. He's kind of a god, man. That's a wizard right there. So, Phil, here's my question. Yeah. What is the What bike have you owned the longest? Mm, good question. I still have my first Yamaha 80 from 1962. So this is exactly the kind of infection we're talking about. That's the first warning sign. Uh, the, when, so what year, in what year did you bring that bike home? Uh, 1967. That's when it started. Yeah. So you've been fostering that for 50 years. It finally broke three. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so like, for 50 years, you've had the same virus. You've had been infected with the same thing for 50 years. Yes. And I didn't get, I didn't, the major outbreak didn't occur until about three years ago when I retired. Like yeah. her, oh, they just it. started. Yeah. Retire, ret- retirement will do it every time. Yeah. Yeah. Craigslist is my best friend. So uh, and I'll just will, add we that. We will get to that. Yeah. And of, well, of all these bikes, the most I've paid for one was $1,800. Most of them are three to $500. Nice. That's a good thing he and has. We're, we're going to talk about that yeah. in a little while. We're going to talk about yeah. our pawn picks. But the three to $500 range, there's a lot of pickings there on Craigslist. Yeah. I wanted to talk about uh, a punch list. We yeah. all have a punch list. When you get a new bike, what do you go through? What, what are the steps that you go through, and, and how do you make sure you're, you're doing everything the right way? Phil, Emma, you guys want to take this? Well, I'll, I'm going to start with, before you even get the bike, when you're walking around out here and somebody's trying to sell you something, you are, man, don't think for one second you've got it. Don't think for one moment that you totally understand the situation, because that person got the booth before you. I mean... He brought that thing here. He made a conscious decision to get this motorcycle out of his life and decided to do it in the way that was most likely to put miles between him and the bike. So you mean that Ascot I just bought for $500 with a dirt bike rear tire? No, I'm sure it's awesome. have been a good decision? I'm sure it's a great idea. I thought it was the best, best decision I've made in three years. Yeah. And that, like, that kind of thing. So just walking into the situation, you've got to make sure that 
you're kind of have an understanding. Don't get high expectations because you have to kind of be passionate about what you're into, but it doesn't hurt to have a little good intel either. But I'm going to start at the beginning. When you look at a bike, so you're walking around the swap meet and you look at a bike, there's three things that you really need before you even assess the damage, stuff missing, how long it's been since it's been running. Does it have a title? Yeah. Does the frame number match the title? Does the engine number match the frame number? Which is also on some of the titles. Now remember, not everybody matched their engine and frame numbers. Yeah, so is it a legitimate bike? Because you can be the greatest mechanic in the world. You can have access to every part, every tool. But if you get a bike that the title is questionable, it breaks your heart because you're going to put all this time and effort into it and you're not going to be able to register it. Has anybody here had DMV problems with a title on a bike? Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. It's a nightmare. It is an, it's bureaucracy gone mad. And if you don't go through the certain steps, and yeah, you can get a title, but it's a lot Thank of jumping you, through hoops. <laughs> it's a lot of frustration. And until you get over that hurdle, it's really not worth getting stuck into the bike. So that's my number one. Do, do we have any paperwork? Depending this? on the bike, I mean, no title can cut a bike's value in half real quick. Um, a dodgy story or a dodgy bill of sale or something, it's, it's only valuable until the money comes out of your pocket. The good story goes as far as just to grease you. So really getting documentation on something, if you ever plan on putting it on the street, man, it, it, you're going to find yourself in a hole. I've had to call Vermont. I've had to send them money so many times. And it is a way to get yourself out of the hole. But it, it's not good for everything. It doesn't work all the time. So... And, you could have a tough time. Emma, what's number two after title? Ooh, can I get this one? Okay. Back ridge. At least right. for us it is. Oh. I don't know. In other states you have Not that problem. In California, they want these old vehicles off the road. So the number one thing, if a bike is cheap or free, it usually has so much back ridge. It can, the back ridge and fines can be more than the value of the bike. DMV doesn't care. So for us, it's very important to always check backridge. Backridge. Now this varies it, it, from state to state, but California, if a right, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Now, in, we've got a bike at the Misfits right now, and it's it's a not undesirable bike. It's a 2001 Suzuki SV650, and there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it. It's been standing for a few years. It's got no compression on front cylinder just needs a valve job it needs a back tire a few bits and pieces so the jb weld and the carburetor is okay <laughs> now we can fix all that <laughs> but there is 650 dollars worth of back reg on it and when you sit down and do the calculations it just ain't worth it so you mean that even though the motorcycle hasn't been on the road it's been accumulating right. registrations right. that right. Would, have, would have been exactly. annually paid for the motorcycle right. but haven't been by the previous owner and so the state of california says we don't care that you didn't own it right. you're paying for the guy before you who didn't pay for the registration while it was sitting that would bankrupt everybody in here <laughs> right because i've yeah. got bikes that haven't had a plate on it for 26 years well you, you they can, just keep the plate moved around <laughs> that looks like a yamaha right you can you can non-op the that 
gets rid of the back so you fees. Don you pay, up him, the, pay him twenty bucks a year, and they, they beforehand. It, it covers that beforehand before you get registered. But they don't. People with an old people bike, don't. They don't. And yeah. the, the thing is, if they let the registration slip, and unfortunately, that's a bit of a crapshoot because when you buy that bike. You might not know that, and it might be a shock when you get to the DMV. So, so eh. but let's get to the nuts and bolts. So yeah, you got yeah, this yeah. bike sitting in front of you. You do a visual inspection, right? First thing I do is I start figuring out what's missing from it. Some bikes, just missing side covers can bankrupt the project, you know? Well, I mean, before <laughs> we even get there, you want to make sure it turns over. The actual piston moves up and down. That's really the first thing. If the piston moves up and down... Or pistons. Or pistons move up, that's a starting point. So after that, Emma, what would you look for? Well, the chances are you're buying a bike that's been standing for a very, very long time. But Emma, it ran when it was parked. <laughs> hey, it ran when it was parked. Well, how long ago was that? Well, six months ago, when you look on the back and of the bike, us. and the reg has been out since... 2001. Okay, so we have on t-shirts that say that on the back. You can buy them. Yeah, run when we Just parked come it. see us. So, as a minimum, the engine turns over. Look at the make sure it's got some oil in it. It's going to look disgusting. Right. Okay? Get a remote fuel reservoir. You can buy them, you can make them. Hook it up to the carburetors, hook up a battery, and see if it'll start. The chances well, are it won't, because well, the carburetors will be plugged. But it'll give you an idea if it'll even thump. And, and one thing I'll say is I've heard Emma say time after time, if the engine turns over, I can get it to run. Yeah, if, if the engine turns over, it'll run. There's no question of that. But there's three things you need to make a bike run. This is fundamental stuff. Spark. Compression, spark, and fuel. If it, one, two, three, it's got to run. This is science. So you've got an engine that turns over. What about the magic it makes smoke? some kind of compression. <laughs> You're going to have a gummed up fuel system. And so you need to cost out in your head. Most carbureted bikes, you can get fuel kits for them. And there's about 30 bucks a carb. It's not expensive. The big one's the fuel tank. Now, in the old days, we had lots of tricks to get rust outside of a... In, out, from inside a fuel tank. You'd put kerosene in it and um, drywall screws and shake it and shake it and shake it and dump it out. Nowadays, there's a lot of products that you can use that, eh, some are cheap, some are more expensive. I've done very well with stuff you can get in Home Depot called uh, Metal Rescue. Mm -hmm. And just drain out the tank, get as much of the crud out of the tank as you can, Put some metal rescue in it, follow the instructions, get the inside of the gas tank clean. You might need a new pet cock. Clean the carburetor, and now you've got something that potentially you're going to hear and hear it running. And these are the things you've got to do first before you start spending money on Invest the Invest heavily in float needles. Yeah. Yes. It's almost always a float needle. And the cheapest yeah. chips. Yeah. K&N will sell you a float needle for any carburetor for five bucks. And Emma, you had a good trick for cleaning out a gas tank with a thing you stick in there with a drill well over the years you know i've i've dealt with so many rusty gas tanks and the best technique i found now for the crusty ones i've made a tool and it's a little wire brush a little bottle brush and i welded it onto a rod about this long and i put it in a drill bit and i hold loosely onto the rod and get inside the tank through the gas cap and just get as much of the crustiness as I can. I think she watches porn at the same time. Oh, yeah. Might be. yeah. 
And then, once you've broken all that stuff off and emptied it out, then you can go at it with a metal rescue. And, and you, you want can... the inside of the gas tank to be a nice sort of grey colour. You can buy... Um, you can actually do a really good job if you have a little bit of intel. One of the coolest things is a lot of people are selling non-running Honda CB350s and stuff. They've kicked it a million times and they just can't get it to start. Get yourself a little 12-volt lithium battery. Little one. A couple alligator leads. Go out and now go out and hunt for that motorcycle because you're going to walk up and you're going to get that non-running Honda. Yeah, it just doesn't have good spark. Go ahead and hook up that little 12-volt battery to it because these motorcycles, a vast majority of motorcycles have... 12-volt supported coils. They have electricity-supported coils, and they're not going to throw a spark just on the power of your leg kicking it. And you could watch a guy kick a motorcycle 3,000 times, walk up with a little 12-volt lithium battery, pop it in, alligator click it on, give it one or two kicks, and just thank him for priming it for you. Because he made you look like a rock star, and now you got the best deal ever on the motorcycle, because he gave up. He's telling you, that bike won't start. It won't start. Well, he didn't have a fundamental part of the equation. You gotta give it electricity. It also is a great diagnostic tool because when you walk up there with that little Tolvo battery, you hook it up. Maybe you're not gonna start this one. Maybe you don't wanna take the chance of starting a bike that's been sitting for 20 years. Maybe you want it to sit in kerosene for a while and get those rings loosened up and that rust opened up. But now you can at least look at the electronics and see if the turn signals work, see if things are going where they're supposed to be going, and also look to make sure there's no giant arcs or smoke or welding happening when you just put that battery in there. So those are an easy way to skip a lot of terrible steps before you drop your money out in the swap meet. And I know I've pissed off three or four people that I've seen in the swap meet by telling you that, but that's a pro tip. I'll tell you something I look for. Uh, when I'm working on a bike and there's duct tape anywhere or bailing wire. <laughs> I'm under the assumption, the I then am under the assumption the oil's never been changed. Yeah, yeah. The brakes have never been changed. You, when you look for those things, you know that there are people who aren't doing well, it right. And I'm, I'm the queen of not doing it right. There's the right I way agree. and there's the recycle way. Yeah. But we're doing things on the cheap and just string trying to keep bikes on the road. String is not Loctite. String is not Loctite. I don't care how many times you go around that. What if it's really bad. carefully done, though? <laughs> uh, like, like, like mine's covered in zip ties, yes, but, but yeah. it's wearing new crankcases and has a new oil every 2,000 miles. That's because the oil falls exactly. out. That's well, correct. like the, <laughs> S, the SV650 that was given to us, you know, there's no such thing as a free bike. Nope. When the brake lever broke, it just like bolted on like a spoon. Like to me, that's yeah. a sign. Yeah. <laughs> vice sign grips. Expect there to be other things. Like the small vice grips from the dollar store, like the absolute harbor fraught terribles vice grips are the world's greatest emergency clutch lever. And when you've discovered that and you're like, I've got 1,400 miles on that vice set of vice grips. I may not change it. It looks cool. I've grown to know those vice grips. They're reliable. They're there for me. You can, I mean, bikes that have been that that are just that boogered together and are that done you got to look everywhere man when you see that you need to look everywhere else in the bike because those are warning signs you want a nice dirty bike that looks like it's been patinaed in the back of some garage or maybe somebody bought it and realized they were just in over their head and it's your turn to be like the third or fourth owner is the right place to be right. with an old british car because the first two people eh the third guy put a lot of money into it, couldn't figure it out, and you're just there to be the hero. And get get there after that last guy put a bunch of money into it and couldn't figure it out because he did all the heavy lifting for you. You, you see, and remember, the kind of bikes we like, all of us in this room like, 
are 40 years old plus. Yeah. And that's a lot of history. And we're just part of that bike's history. And some people may have looked after it, and some people may not have looked after it. So you've got to understand that what you're buying has got a lot of history behind it. A lot of that history might have been sending inside a shed for 20 years. But what happened to it before? What's caught me out many, many times is finding out why the bike went off the road in the first place. Because if you think about the life cycle of a bike, somebody buys a bike brand new, they ride the hell out of it. Because it, it's brand new, it runs great. And then you know, it kind of starts slacking off a bit. It goes to its second owner and it's maybe a second bike and it gets a few less miles. And then so on and so forth until the bike wears out. Usually five, six years, it's done, it gets junked. But these aren't the bikes out here. These are the survivors. And there's something that took them off the road early in their life with maybe 10,000 miles on it. I did a Triumph, Bonneville, and surprisingly enough, it had electrical problems. It was, it was an 82 Triumph Bonneville. It was a really late bike with an electric start. It was in beautiful condition. It was an 8,000-mile bike. That wasn't the one you chopped the swing off, no. swing arm off immediately. No, okay. that was not the one I chopped the swing arm off in the in the Out crate. The box. That yeah. was a brand new one. So let me ask you guys something. So you get an old bike, a barn find, a you know a swap meet find. You get it home and the piston isn't moving. It's not kickstarting. So what do you guys do? What's the first thing you do before tearing the engine down? Because there's some tricks. Yeah, here, I mean, there's right? a couple of tricks you can do. Um, you can if. If you bought Soak a bike that's seized, you know you're going to be into work. But before you strip down the engine, you can pull the plugs and get some kerosene in there and see if it'll bleed down through the rings. And that, this, the engine will actually turn over. You've got to get that engine turning before you can do anything else. So before you tear the head off, get some kerosene in there. Do you use anything else? Uh, I, I go up uh, varying different levels of... Uh advertising and expensiveness. So I start the same way. We start with kerosene. We'll just completely submerse a motor sometimes in a bucket if we have to. A lot of times we've had to cut motors apart before. They've just been swamped. We've had motors that were sitting, you know, under a shed with, uh, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, mouse piss will do stuff to a cylinder that you can't imagine after 15 or 20 years. And when a motor's sitting there and the exhaust valves are open, those animals and their products can get in there and they will score and pit and it will lock when water gets in there it rust is powerful man and it will get non-homogeneous metals to basically weld themselves together and sometimes it's two or three weeks in various different types of solvents and then you know when you start buying marvel mystery oil because like well it's, it's a mystery i'll give it a shot when you've gone through all the pb blaster products and you're looking real carefully at a you know, a two by four and a and a heavy dead blow mallet going, I'm just gonna hit it a few times and see what happens. When you're there, anything's open game. You know, you're cutting studs out, you're gonna do what you have to to get the thing apart. Um, most of the time I like to look at that situation as a unique opportunity to meet somebody on eBay who has a new motor for me or a different motor for me. Because unless the thing's hella rare, it's probably not worth working that hard. but And when they do come apart, I've never had one that came apart hard that went back together easy or went back together and worked because it was a battle to get it. And I mean, it was probably hard seized to begin with. Very few people, people have ever parked a 
perfectly running motorcycle. Right. And if it was parked perfectly running, time and what happens to gas and stuff had its way with it, and it may be worse off than a bike that has 80,000 miles. So, so I'm curious, Phil, you come across a, bar, a barn fly, a barn fine. Easy for you to say. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not easy at all. I'm, I'm about to go to sign, sign language here in a second. Nebraska. I keep, I, I keep feeding him booze. So. I'm going to punch you in a second. Um, so I come across a barn fine. It's been sitting. It parked when ran. <laughs> Ran when parked. <laughs> Keep going. It. You're doing great, Jim. But what, what do you go through when you find that ran when parked bike in a barn find? What are the steps one, two, three, four, five that you check to see if you're going to buy it or Lies not? Lies has got a mnemonic device, and it's actually pretty solid. Uh, it works because it's fast and it like fits into four words. Um, I always just say initiate negotiation process. Determine that you want it and make sure he doesn't know that you want it. Pretend like you're buying something you don't really want to buy to get the price as low as possible. And remember, it's for sale because they don't want it anymore. This is a mid-Ohio shit here, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Whatever the price is on the bikes out there on the swap meet, offer 30% and go from there. You'll work your way in the middle. That's a pro tip for mid-Ohio. But you found like this, this old two-stroke street bike that you want to buy. You know what, What's the checklist? What do you go through? Like go through, Eliza. Things. Knock it out. Oh, my my thing, this is not as specific, but I tell everyone, because um, it's a daunting task. When you're taking on a big project, we all know it takes emotional energy to get into that. There's probably a lot of people here who have bikes that aren't running. It's like, I'll get to it someday, right? You got to build up to start into it. I actually break it down into four steps. Uh, it's running, rideable, safe, sellable. Just work on the first one. Just get it running. Just get it to chug. Just anything so you know I mean, that I don't, it's I don't care if you're playing Mad Max Fury Road with the squirt bottle going, get the gasoline into the intake. <laughs> Just the carburetor isn't even on the bike. Just jam the gasoline into the intake while you're kicking it, and you are now a carburetor. You're literally like, go, 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 And just release the demons that have been in there for a long time. Scare them out with gasoline. And if you're worried about the top end, believe most starting fluid does have top end lubricant in it, which is genius. But it also doesn't hurt to spray lubricant into the top end if it has. If you're not sure, when in doubt, lube. You know, we learned that all early on in life. So yeah, that's it. Make it run, right? Everything works better with spit. Yes, it does. Well, not just that. Once you hear that thing going, I think it's like hearing your baby's first cry. Like these instincts kick in. You're like, yes. And your wallet starts to hurt. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's like, it's like Emma likes to say, you don't know a personality of a bike until you hear it run. And then you hear the personality, right? right? True that. And then the next step would just be rideable. And for me, it's uh, just if you have one gear working, one brake working. <laughs> so ride rideable is the point where the carburetor is actually back on the motorcycle. Exactly. Okay. Right. Where you want to just be able to take it down the road and make sure you can shift through the gears. You can feel how the brakes work, what's sticking, what isn't, the head bearings, how's that feel? Yeah, make sure you like, you're supposed to have one neutral. Unless you have a Royal Enfield, you might have three or four neutrals. But the bike should really have one neutral. And if you're finding a bunch of extra ones, it may be good to stop at that point, take the transmission apart, and go into it deeper. But it's a good point to find out that, like you said, rideable means the stuff's kind of got to work the right way before you go deeper. And if it's an early 80s uh, XS650... <laughs> Make sure you have second gear. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that actually applies to a lot of bikes. I'll, I'll tell you all the story of a friend of mine. 
he so wanted a Honda 404, and why on earth wouldn't you? It's a wonderful bike. He found a 76 Honda 404. He did all the right things. It had a title. The frame number was good. The engine number was good. He deviated. He got it running. It sounded great. But the step he missed was the rideable. Now the engine runs. That's great. I'm going to spend thousands. Front and rear fenders re-chromed, brand new exhaust system, paintwork, seat cover, everything. This thing looked brand new. And on the maiden ride, second and third gear were missing. He was not a happy chap. And I charged him plenty to build the engine, you know, because that's all you can do. And that's probably why the bike went off the road in the first place. Yeah, most of the time the cost of repairs are what put the bike in the garage to begin with. A lot of times, our, the previous owners of these things, if you don't get the straight story, his situation is he's thousands in just to find out he's still thousands away. Mm-hmm. And that's the wrong time to find out that you're thousands away is when you're thousands in. The next step is safe. Uh, for me, that means you got brake light, tail light, headlight, brakes, you know, better tires. Is it safe that you can ride? It can still be ugly as sin. But is everything functioning right? It's a functioning, safe bike. Um, you, so you're just breaking it down into steps. Just Because a lot of people go right to what color they want to paint right. it. Yeah. Forget about that because that's the last step. That for me is sellable. That's Straight when you're doing Amazon, the cos- cosmetics. It says cafe racer, bolt two motorcycle, <laughs> sell motorcycle, mission accomplished. Doesn't work that way, man. Um, I wanted to just jump ahead. There was a topic I had later, but it ties in right now. Oh man, you got to get the last one. You got no, 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 no. I just want to jump ahead because um, here's my question: At what point do you give up? Is there such thing as a possessed bike? Has anyone encountered this? There's the bike that's just the money pit that you just can't get it right. Do you, have you given up on any? You're that, cl- you're close. that close. Do you guys think... I got a few at home that don't know it yet, I, but they're I, on the edge. I will never, ever give up on any bike, ever. Really? Not even a Honda CB500T? Not even a CB500T. <laughs> I will never... If it ends up on my bench... I will get it going. I will never give up on it. I would oh, no, give up. I, I will. I will cut. I will cut a bitch it. in a second. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I have zero patience for. I've I've had over sixty bikes in my garage at one time, and I will just walk up and just be like, "You suck. You suck because you remind me of how bad I am. You suck because I committed to buy you while I was drunk." And I always live up to my word, and I hate you. I hate looking at you, and you're never going to be right. So I'm going to have an apprentice tear you apart, and we're going to put you on eBay one piece at a time. We're going to Johnny Cash your ass. A lot of people feel the same way about you, Phil. Just Fair so game. You know. <laughs> That's it. The list is long and distinguished. Yeah. So here's a thing I wanted to throw out here. Um, for a lot of people working on, on bikes, we all have kind of favorite tools, oh. especially, you know, highly accomplished mechanics rather than the hack like me but we got these guys here um i want to find out everyone here on the panel and if there's people out here i want to talk about what what what's your favorite well, let me start with zach over here because Zach, what's your favorite tool uh be, be careful there's a kid over there thank you for that liza you're next just say liza <laughs> i don't know um i really like micrometers 
Uh, I had to buy a set when I rebuilt my engine. In my Your what? SV, in micrometers. Micrometers. Um, I had to buy a set when I had to re- rebuild my, the engine in my SV because uh, I had to measure the crankshaft journals right. and all that. And it's uh, the difference between it works and it's where it should be. It's just uh, precision tools are just cool. They're just real cool. <laughs> oh, and the bore gauge. Yeah. The bore gauge is really cool too. Now, see, my my favorite. I have two favorite tools in the shop, and they're the simplest of all. It's it's stick and pipe. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I'm not even going to go there. Do. do you mean the Do you mean the torque enhancer? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's amazing what you can accomplish with Dick just uh, like a, a a one by two stick, three feet long. I use it for popping carbs out, popping carbs in, okay. uh, for popping a wheel up when you're trying to get the axle in. Just a good stick because. It's wood, so it's not yeah. going to bend the fin. Well, it can bend fins, but yeah. you got to be careful. It's less likely to do damage wood. than using a screwdriver or something. And it uh, can stop flywheels from spinning when they're not supposed to be, when you're trying to do other things and remove flywheels and stuff. So it's, that's amazing, good, it's a pretty good. It's a good poking stick. Yeah. yeah. Right. I was so sad when our stick broke. <laughs> you mean the possum didn't chew it in half? <laughs> and then just a good pipe. Yeah, to put over a wrench. Or oh, you mean to turn the quarter-inch drive into a much more <laughs> yes, powerful exactly. tool? Exactly. Yeah. Leverage is an amazing thing. I can't tell you how many times there's somebody in our garage just sitting there with a wrench, just cranking and they're turning and they're cranking. I just come and put a pipe on and go, you know, make so it easier. If you buy that bike with a smashed-up front end, or you <laughs> smashed the bike up many years ago, that bent fork leg, yeah, perfect. Yeah, That's a yeah. perfect dead, talking answer. Vintage, yeah. dead, vintage dead fork legs are the coolest cheater pipes ever. I mean, you get shop cred like mad, and you're like, yeah, I need a cheater pipe. Oh, here, take, take that 41 millimeter. It fucked me over. And then just, and just pull it. It looks cool. The uh, Go ahead. I'm done. Okay, What's well, your favorite tool? So this is it. Uh, um, if you don't have one of these, all right, and I don't care whether you're a Leatherman guy or an SOG guy, or I'm a Gerber guy because lifetime replacements. Um, yeah. <laughs> And uh, here's how my wife said that she knew I was the one, is her uh, 92 Grand Am had failed, and she was on the side of the road, and I went, and I made that noise, and she was was like, I wet him. She was like, you had me. That was it. You know, 26 years later, she's still with me, and I got like eight of these things. Uh, Yeah, when I was in the military, I learned that you just don't do anything with one of these, and they come in various levels of complication. And uh, they have like this one has the awesome real center drive Phillips head, center drive Phillips head with about 12 extra bits in the sheath. Man, there's very little you can't MacGyver your way out of with one of these things. And it is metric or SAE. Apparently, it doesn't care whether you're working on a Harley or a Norton or my bike. Um, it really impresses people, and everyone's cool except the TSA. They will make you buy a new one. So ship it home if you like it. Um, and I got arrested for one of these. And this is a less than three-inch blade on them. And I had to spend two nights in jail because I'm a smartass and don't know when to shut up. Cops are always right, for the record. Just say yes, nod your head, and don't point the sign that says no knife blades over three inches allowed in the courtroom, yet you just got arrested for some two and three-eighths stuff. Um, yeah, backstory there. I might be a little overly sensitive. <laughs> um, I make my living fixing motorbikes. I work at a giant dealership five days a week. Bike comes on my bench, I fix it. And then weekends, I do the uh, misfits thing. My favorite tool 
is going to be the same as your favorite tool. And that's going to be the first tool you modify. Mm -hmm. The first screwdriver you cut down, the first socket that you grind the thickness down so it'll go into a small hole, the first wrench you bend so you can get it up and just get it, that's going to be your favorite tool. But the one I find, it's surprising. The tool I use at work more than anything else, and I use it on every bike. I've got these pair of pliers, and in England we call them snipes, but I think you Americans call them stalks. They're about that long, and they're needle-nose pliers. I reach for them for every bike, whether it's pulling off a fuel line, pulling off battery terminals. I use them on every single bike. So if you don't own a pair, they're about six inches, seven inches long. Very, very, is that what guys, six inches? Six inches long, needle-nose pliers, absolutely wonderful. You will use them every time. They're like, probably the like handiest that, tool I own. A good, like a good pair of dykes, you know? You get a good pair of dykes, and they're, they're just, they're just you, you just know when they're right. You call them dykes, right? The, the, we all love yeah, a good pair cutters, of dykes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they're diagonal side cutters, thank you. Oh. No, they're called dykes, man. They're called dykes. <laughs> Jim, I'd like dykes. to point out that the child is asleep, so you can answer honestly now. What's your favorite tool? The one in your trousers. <laughs> you no, are, Liza. We'll, we'll, we'll you are his favorite tool. <laughs> no, well, no. People, people came here to actually get some usable information, so instead of us being silly, I will, I will echo your comments, Liza. Two tools. One is a stick. The basic, like the, the basic surveyor stake that's about two or three feet tall, that's pine and about that tall, the surveyor stake and a good hammer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I have talked to more mechanics, and we're talking, you know, you know, race people that actually know what the fuck they're doing. And if you can find an old antique, maybe brass, maybe something, but made made at least thirty or forty years ago, get a good hammer and a good piece of pine. And it's amazing what you can do with a hammer and a piece of pine. And obviously, we're not talking about pounding on an engine. But a little encouragement every now and then to fit an exhaust into a manifold or a carburetor. I'm talking wood now, but a carb. We had that old fucking XL, uh, XL, an 83 XL Honda 350. You know, two carburetors, one cylinder. The Great one you idea. Gave up on, we right? love yeah. that. Engineering. XR. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. XR, thank you. I can't tell how many, how many times I took that carburetor out. But that little piece of fur or pine, whatever it was, to wedge that car back in was invaluable. Um, but I will put the piece of wood behind a hammer. Get a good hammer and use it smart because hammers go a long way. Yeah. Surprisingly, hammer is such a basic tool, but I will not let any of the beginners in the shop use the hammer. Uh, you well, mean, yeah. <laughs> no. you mean the the swing press. Here's what you don't want in your toolkit is a chisel. <laughs> if you need true. a chisel, you f- you true. missed a bolt. That's oh, what man. I'll say. Unless you really know what you're doing. Yeah. That's, Dustin, what's your favorite tool? My favorite tool was yeah. bought for me by you. Oh, really? Which one? Yeah. My Japanese industry standard oh, yeah. screwdriver. Yeah, man. If you guys uh, work metrics. Oh, yeah. I see a bunch of heads bobbing around. I actually heard, learned about it on Phil's podcast, and yeah. I bought one. It is my pet peeve, man. When I see somebody attacking a perfectly good motorcycle with a Phillips head... I get like, uh, 
Do you guys Vin- know what we're talking about? So vintage Japanese, mo- vintage motorcycles in general, the fasteners are made out of velvedium, and they don't hold <laughs> up. And if you look at them harshly, they fail. That so mean, you, that means cheese for yeah, anyone. So that you have get that. to, you have to have the correct thing. So in Japan, they use what's called JIS, Japanese Industry Standard, and that is not Phillips. Philip is some Phillips. Well, that's my name, but Phillips is this <laughs> bonkers thing that they came up with to assemble Cadillacs faster, so that they didn't have to build torque settings into the machine tools, so that the fastener would automatically the the tip would cam out, cam out, man. At a what, certain torque what a, level, like, yeah. How American is that crap? We're not going to engineer it correctly. We're just going to make the tool fail at a certain point. But wait, that means you need to use more than that torque to get it out. To cam it out, right? So JIS, actually, the difference between Phillips head and JIS is JIS actually hits the bottom of the hole. Phillips head will not hit the bottom of the hole. Phillips head is doing it all wrong. Kind of like you, Phil. That's right. No, like I said, never seen the sides, (laughs) but gave the bottom a beating. Now, we're going to go ahead and say that you're working with a Phillips head that says craftsman on the side, says number two. Number two. And all you're doing is just like, I rounded off another one. I rounded off another one. I rounded off another one. Okay. Go to your... uh, you're the best tool dealer in town. Uh, it's called Amazon. And go there <laughs> and get what's called a JIS Impacta. And they come in three to four different sizes. Buy all three. And when you put it on the fastener and you strike it with the aforementioned awesome hammer, it is a impact driver. And it only works the direction an impact driver should only ever work, which is backwards. If you ever put an impact driver in forward, I fucking hate you. And I've worked on your bikes before, and you're bad people, and you should all pay m- more than $90 an hour. But yeah, you whack this thing, and it just takes the fastener out perfectly every time, and it leaves the fastener lo- looking good for the next victim. So use the JIS Impactas, because they work so cool. And it does. It makes you from... They're amazing. It turns you into a pro, man, because you bring this thing out, and you're like... Ah, and then you hit it, and it just goes... Doop, and the fastener comes out. 40 years of sitting there sucking just came out like that. Yeah, it's so cool. No, it's amazing. All of a sudden, you're just like, oh, my God, I can take these bolts out. And I have ruined so many fasteners as a child and bought so many replacement fasteners that uh, didn't need to be purchased. Every carburetor. Float bowl screws. Float bowl screws. JIS will remove them. JIS will knock a float bowl school. Float bowl screw right out, but float bowl screws are another thing. Buy a thousand of them because I, I, they I go everywhere. For that. Replace yeah. them with Allens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and don't be afraid of improvising. Honda will sell you a tool to lock the primary gears on a bike. It's about $500. But the tool I'm going to tell you is going to cost you a penny. It's a penny. Because it is a penny. <laughs> and this penny... Yeah. Using your needle nose pliers, if you drop it into your primary gears, will lock the gears. You can undo what you need and to do. And it won't mar them. It won't mark the gears. It won't break the teeth. Yeah. And the best use, you can use it over and over. Yeah. Once you've used it about 10 times, it's looking pretty sad. Just get another penny. <laughs> you know, but one penny. That has just saved you. Oh, my God. N- you know. And it's universal. It turns out it does work on Harley Davidson's as well. Uh, found it's that out. Universal it, penny. Universal penny. It works on metric and domestic. Uh, do you have a Whitworth penny? 
Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Just want to make sure because I hate those. Yeah. Is that the, the Canadian ones? No, no. They're uh, the, the, the pe- they're called the Pence. Yeah. Yeah, pence. yeah. No, I I got a Whitworth penny for BSA Magneto right. gears. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, isn't that a shilling? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so hey, we got something special for y'all. Normally on our podcast, oftentimes we do the Craigslist porn pick of porn the week. Porn pick of the week. We're gonna do something a little special here. I sent Phil and Emma out to the swap meet. We are going to do dueling porn picks. So here's what's going to happen. They're each going to present to you guys out here their porn pick and the price. You guys get to vote to see who found the best deal. And I don't know what hers is yet. I I don't know what his is yet. And I... Are we going to this. buy either one? Oh no, I might buy mine. I we we traded phone numbers. Ooh. Or or, or I got a date. Uh-oh. One of the two. I but, might buy mine. Yeah. Oh, you might buy yours too. I might try a lot. Oh my god, this tra-la-la. is so cool. All right, Which so means it's going to end up in your garage till I can get it. So I hope it's sexy. The uh, so here's the game. Uh, we I'm sure we took different approaches, but the idea behind Craigslist porn pick of the week is basically you're looking at Craigslist and you find what you think to be the very best deal that you can get on Craigslist at that particular time, and they have a lot of fun with it. Um, it causes me night sweats because <laughs> my customers are always like, hey, look, I just got this thing, and I'm like, yeah, I've been watching that piece of crap on Craigslist for three weeks and was wondering who was going to pull the trigger on it. Congratulations on your CB350F that's been underwater for 26 years. And yeah. now I, I have to work on it. And I've looked at that bike seven <laughs> times. But in this particular swap meet, I really didn't get into the swap meet because I've been working for zero, putting people on electricity. But my Craigslist porn pick came to me, just showed up like a oh. vision in Japanese blackness. Mm. Uh, what was her name? Her name was GB. 500 tourist trophy. I knew it. Go blimey 500. Because you already have two, so now you need three. I have two. My wife has a GB500. I have a GB600. XR conversion. And uh, there is a special vein in my arm right there where the GB juice goes. And my argument is I've had a Veliset, and it was nowhere near as good as the bike that copied it. The GB500 nailed everything about the British motorcycle industry, mm-hmm. got everything right. It's light, it handles well, it does the ton, no worries. The only problem is in 1989, it cost more than a Honda CBR600. And right. it was parked right next to it at the dealership, and nobody bought them. And now if you can find one, I've seen them go for over 10K with no miles on them. And an average price is four or 5,000 for a clean one. And they're beautiful. I mean, they're just a gorgeous, not over-the-top cafe racer. They're not like a cafe racer clown car thing where, like, look, I took the electric starter out. <laughs> Dustin did that. <laughs> and uh, But it has an electric starter, and it runs good, and it looks beautiful. Guilty. And uh, I've always loved GB500 since the day they came out. And one of them just, like, wandered past me. And it was like, hey, boy, what's up? It was What's a going on? pretty going on? Hey, hey. party. Hey, you say, hey, so you like things that were only made for two years? I was only made for two years. <laughs> you like things that are low maintenance and reliable? I was very low maintenance and very reliable. And I can still get parts for it. And I've always loved them. And I've, I've stolen some over the years. I've paid way too little for those bikes because people didn't know what they were. But now people know what they are. So this one went by. And as he went by, I went, GB500! <laughs> and, and I went, how much? And he just went, 
And I was like, that man's a pro. <laughs> Didn't even turn around to talk to me. He was like, fuck you, pal. <laughs> I already own it. Right. Yeah. If you want this bike, run and chase me down. And like you, I said, we you all got to tell people how many fingers you're holding. I'm up holding right up four now. fingers, but you know what that means? In Mid Ohio, that means two grand, man. <laughs> I got the exchange rate down. This is like prison currency. I know how it works here. That four means two, and that means we can talk. And uh, so he swung around. I was like, uh, ice cream truck. And I raised my hand, he did, he gave a courtesy flyby, came back and showed me the bike, and I looked at it, and it was, you know, about 3,600 miles, and perfect in every way. Have a 3, title? 3,600? 3, miles, and literally perfect in every way, bone stock factory, even had, like, the emissions catch can on it, the EVAP canister. It was unfucked, I mean, unmolested. <laughs> and uh, so I was in, and then he's like, well, I got to show you. It had a bent frame. Um. Well, the frame was only bent at the very bottom, the you know, it's got a weird split exhaust header. So where the exhaust was coming down on the right hand side, somehow I don't know how, but the tubular frame it splits to a Y down there, and somehow somebody like attacked it with a hatchet from straight on, and it looked like they just pinched the frame rail somehow, and the exhaust was equally pinched. I think he must have ridden it into one of those like U-channel signposts and just like one in a million shot, Doc, and got the muffler, the header pipe, and he got the frame pipe. And he's like, yeah, I gotta let you know about that. And I was like, oh, that looks like at least $2,000 off to price the motorcycle right there. Hey, as long as they didn't dent the tank, you're good. No, as long as you know, the, tent's, <laughs> the tank's gorgeous, everything on the bike is gorgeous. And so when I was like, well, four, and come on, and say, I was like, I'm thinking more like two. And he was like, um, I'm thinking we need to talk about trade-ins. I, he's like, really? I said, he's like, what do you got? I'm like, what do you want? And he's like, I'm like, good. We're horse trading now. We're not even talking about money anymore. We've gone full wizard. Oh, wow. We're not even talking about currency. We're talking about my crap for your crap. And there's nothing better than buying a bike other than getting rid of some crap you didn't want anymore anyway. When I do that and I come home and I say... I turned three motorcycles into one motorcycle. Winning. There's not just going to be a stake involved. <laughs> I'm going to get extra special treatment from the person who has now relegated all of her implements of destruction to a shed because I have to have the garage mahal. So, like, I think I'm there, man. I'm going to get this bike. I'm feeling pretty confident. Uh, we'll see what happens. I may also just get a date to the Mexican restaurant later, but... I'm looking GB500. My target is to spend less than 2500. That's my goal. Wow. Because the only what thing better than owning oh. two GB500s is owning three. <laughs> is three. Okay. Um, we've got some regular listeners to the podcast here, haven't we? Can anybody tell me what Emma's favorite bike is? Bandit. <laughs> bandit. Give that man a medal. Well, yes, now the Suzuki Bandit has got a very special place in Emma's heart. Before the Bandit, Suzuki made this completely nutty bike called the GSX 1100G. And what it was was a Gixxer 1100 engine, 145 horsepower, with a shaft drive on the back There's of it. There's a free one in my backyard if anybody wants it. One, <laughs> 112 Herman Drive, Avon Lake, Ohio. Right. It's sitting back there. Okay. So with the first... No title. Well, this one has a title. <laughs> it has a clear title... Um, it's being sold by a charming gentleman called Brad. Me and Brad had a little chat about the bike. You found a G? I found a G. That's the one with the it shaft. Was, it is. Yes. We already established that. Um, 
He's it listening now. It was sporting now. some peculiar damage to the tank. I mean, it's best to say the tank was <laughs> pounded. Um, and we were talking about the damage, and I said, that is quite odd damage to the, to the bike. And he said, yes, this bike comes with a story. Does it look like twigs and berries? Um, <laughs> the gentleman he bought it from apparently was um, having some kind of relationship with his next-door neighbor, and his wife found out and attacked the bike. <laughs> so not only do you get the bike with a title, you get a story. Um, with what did she attack it? <laughs> It looks like she attacked it with a chisel. Now, yeah. the bike is going to need a... Hatred. She attacked it with hatred. Yes, it was attacked with a huge amount of hatred. 300-mile rule, people. The, the bike's got pretty low mileage. It's mid-30s. Now, these are 100,000-mile yeah. bikes. It's got great tires. The brakes were great. Needs a gas tank. I sniffed inside the gas tank. Of course she, she did. She did not put sugar in the gas tank. So there was no key. There was $500 on the headlight. And me and Brad talked about it and said, basically, I don't want to take this home. If you give me a couple of hundred bucks, it's yours. So, ladies and gentlemen. I will have two G models in my backyard. A 150 mile an hour bike that needs a gas tank for 200 bucks. Phil, you're dead in the water. I am dead in the water. And for the record, I have a G model in my driveway that has a perfectly good gas tank. There you go. Oh. So that's it. So your chocolate's and my peanut butter. All right. All right. So, uh, so how do we do this? What do you guys think of? Oh, no, no, For no. Phil, Phil, you think he's going to win? No? No. Yeah. no. Not a chance. What about Emma? You think she won? Yeah. yeah. Emma got it. Emma, Emma. got it. So I, I got to say. It's not just the bike. It's, it's the, the story. story. Oh, my God. Can we call it all about like the story. time? But I'm curious. It's hammer, it's hammer time. Has has anybody here found a better deal? Because deals are here to be Man. found. Yeah, that's, has anybody that's found a good be. deal here? Before we go, I am actually looking for a bike. So if any of you come across a GT 550, yeah. I'd love a drum breaker, but I will take an early disc brake. So that's a J or a K model. Just let me know. I'll be around zero for probably the rest of the day. So if any of you see or hear of a GT 550, 72, 73, yeah, maybe a 74. Just come and let me know. because I. And you do here. know now that now that I do need to sell those three shit boxes I brought in order to make room to bring your pig home. I know that. That, that thing you've got is not small. I yeah. know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, we're so now uh, the priority is to sell the three. Yeah, okay. Yeah, game on. You know, we, I didn't have this on the list to talk about, but I think this is a good point right now because I would like to know from you two, because you have a lot of experience, what is your haggling technique? Because <laughs> I know Phil <laughs> discovered a new one recently <laughs> when he's selling how to get the best price out of something. Okay. So what, do you, what is your haggling technique? I've, I've done a bit of buying and selling lately for other people. And, and I'd like to say, whenever we have somebody in the garage, like a new, new biker, wants somebody to go with them to help them buy the bike, she will go with them and point out every, every fault. How much did you get Micah's GS500 for? Well, the, the gentleman wanted $2,000 for it, and we got it for 900 bucks. <laughs> Um, you the, want her on your team. That's pretty the, good. The better bargain actually was Jonathan's um, FC6, and the guy wanted 35, and we got that for 18. <laughs> and these these are great condition bikes. But make no mistake, if somebody's advertising a bike on Craigslist, or a good place to look is the local paper, because if it's the local paper, 
people haven't got access to the interwebs. They're old. They're old, and there's not going to be a ton of people buying. But show up on time. If you contact somebody on Craigslist mm -hmm. and say, "I will be there at six o'clock on Thursday," be there at six o'clock on Thursday. Have enough cash that you're comfortable with in your back pocket. So let's say the bike is $2,000, and you're okay paying $2,000 with it. Have $2,000 on you, but put $500 in one pocket <laughs> and $1,500 in the other one. That way you're not counting out money in front of him. You reach into your back pocket, you pull out $1,500. You know you've already counted it. There's $1,500. Will you take it? No. So you... Well, hold the 1500 bucks and then pull out the other ones 100 at a time. 16, will you take it? The chance are he's going to take 15 because you showed up on time. You showed up with cash. That makes you a legit buyer. You're already in the top 10% of people who've responded to that ad. So you're already on good ground with him. And cash talks. Checks don't talk. Promises don't talk. Credit cards don't talk. Cash talks. Have the cash. You will get a bargain, trust me. Well, then We're, you do a good inspection of the bike. Yeah, That's how you, you talk know, them down, right? Exactly. And I. This is before you piss in the airbox and offer them $300. That's before I pee in the airbox and <laughs> yeah. tell them they've got a rodent problem. Um, <laughs> the thing is, I try and be fair. I mean, it's, it's like... With easy use bikes, they're not going to be perfect bikes. But if it needs a tire, hey man, it needs a tire. That's a hundred bucks. It needs fork seals. Well, we know how to do fork seals, right? But if you don't, it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks at the bike shop to get the fork seals done. Well, that's 200 bucks. It needs brake pads. Well, you know, that's another 50 bucks. So just run it in your mental calculator and take that off the top. Now, are you pointing out? Like scratches, little stuff like that. It's a used bike. I mean, scratches are as important as you want them to be. If you want to go out and win shows with it, well, the paintwork's got to be great. But if you want a rider, you know, we sell new bikes, brand new bikes with scratches and point them out to somebody. We, we're a Vespa dealer among many others. We do Vespa, Triumph, um, Ducati, all the Japanese four. And we had a beautiful blue Vespa and a child was sitting on it outside the showroom and it fell on its side. Now, for those of you who know Vespa, it's a monocoque chassis, so the body of the Vespa is part of the frame. And so the whole side of the bike got scratched up. Your only option at that stage is find a body shop will do it. Remember, this is a brand new bike. So what we did, person came in to buy it. Well, we've got one in this pretty blue color, but it's scratched up. We'll run you 500 bucks off the retail. Are you interested? Oh, yeah, I'm interested. Because the scratches aren't that important to everyone. So he was very happy he got 500 bucks off a brand new Vespa. And it was a Vespa. He's going to scratch it anyway. Exactly. I mean, that's a fact of life. It's a, it's a well, fact I got a Vespa. of life. Yeah. So, you know, scratches, cosmetics are as important as you want them to be. But if it needs a tire... You're a hundred bucks poorer. If it needs a chain, you're a hundred bucks poorer. Just you think it through. What well, does this bike need to well, be yeah. safe? Well, it's funny because, and you, and you need to be aware of what the, the things you aren't going to cost you will cost you. I got a DR3, a 99 DR350 Dual Sport, and we ride the piss out of it. And we crash mm -hmm. it all the time. Well, we were dirt biking last weekend. We're riding on the trailer. 
and I'm missing the side cover. I'm like, where'd the fucking side cover go, right? <laughs> Pardon my French. I look at it on eBay, $55 for a 99 DR350 side cover. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But that's the stuff that sneaks up on you. So be smart about it. If it's missing something, do the research, look into it. Because you could buy a $300, $400 bike that runs, but a couple of parts... Next thing you know, it's two or three hundred dollars more you're buying for plastics and stupid shit. But I got a good tip. Whenever the person coming to look at my bike shows up with a truck or trailer, I know I got them. (laughs) 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 Park that down the street. Yeah, park. Yeah, that's uh, my technique for buying bikes is real, real easy. I do the same thing. I I adjust the price by showing quote the the air invoice. You know, this is what the Kelly Blue Book is. This is what I'm going to need to put in to make it right. You'll notice that's a negative number at the bottom. So how much money are you going to give me to take this away? Because this is what it's going to cost you to make this thing runnable. You're not a mechanic or we wouldn't be having this conversation. So you're kind of at my mercy. Here's the thing I've learned in 30 years of doing this. It is easier to buy a bike than to sell a bike. Don't ever forget that. I can buy 50 bikes out there right now if I have the wherewithal to do it and the money to do it. But I will have a hard time selling the three heaps that I brought here. And they are heaps. And they're heaps. And they all run. And they're muddy now. And and they're covered (laughs) in mud. But it's going to be easier to buy 50 bikes than to sell three bikes. So think about that when you're going to buy anything. It is way, way easier to buy than it is to sell. As a buyer, you have the whole game. You've got it all. You've got what they want. It's green and flat. And (laughs) they want, clearly they want to get rid of whatever it is they're trying to sell you because that's why the ad went up. And there will be a story, and sometimes the story is amazing, and sometimes the story sucks, and you're going to have to listen to it. But the ultimate end of the game is you've got something they want, and so you can just start. If you're gutsy and you want to just be the guy who's like, I'm going to cut him in half, and we'll start there. Or maybe you're the guy who's honest and just says, you know what? I was ready to pay 1200 And then anything else that happens, you just go, I was ready to pay 1200 and then anything else that happens, you just go, all right, So I'm gone. Leave. Phil, you've Walk established away. a new technique yeah. when you're selling you, that you've worked out here last year with the Trail 70s. Oh, yeah. What, what is this? Uh, uh, well, the Trail 70 is, at Mid-Ohio, Trail 70 is worth $1,000, no matter what, apparently. Mm-hmm. That's just it. That it is prison currency. If you have a Trail 70 and you are talking to a 60-year-old white man, you have $1,000 cash coming your way because they're going to remember their childhood. And then you just kind of go, yeah, that's a thousand bucks. And I was like, oh, oh, we seven hundred. Well, I'm not. You're not allowed to buy it now. Right? <laughs> no. There'll be another one of you coming along at any moment. You should leave. And but, uh, and that works. And that's just like that saying is like, I have something that everybody here wants. I'm willing to wait for the next train to come by. So I'm not going to negotiate. And you know what we did? I think we sold five Trail Seventies for a thousand dollars a piece. And then one of them was like 1971 shifter had been in a basement I got three days before for like 200 bucks. The chain was a fixed piece of iron. Like the chain was not a chain. The chain was fixed. And we had to cut it with, you know, uh, bolt cutters. And then the guy was like, well, you know, I was like, well, you could probably get a chain for that thing out in the swap meet for 20 bucks. But um, I'd like to say something to really to try and put this all into perspective. We've talked a lot about money, and we've talked a lot about figures, but that's only part, part of it. Every single motorbike is special. 
some cars are Jags are, Morris Miners are, Alfa Romeos are. They've got that certain something. But every single motorbike is special. Those cars you named, all three of those cars you named are like viruses. Right. But if you pay a little too much for a bike and you spend a little too much fixing it up and you get a little bit out of your depth and you get underwater cost-wise on a bike. If you get into a $1,000 bike for 1500 bucks, that's okay. Because if when you ride that bike, if you're older, like a lot of us are, it takes you back to when you were 18. Or if you're young, you get an experience of what it was like riding these things in the 70s. How many of us here were riding in the 70s? What a friggin' great time to be alive, wasn't it? You know? So if you can experience that, and you're underwater a bit because of doing that, it's okay. If you gain the experience of working on your bike and spend a bit too much doing it, it's okay. There's yeah, nothing I mean, wrong with that. What else is going to take know? to make you look like Steve McQueen? I mean, that's cool. Like, having a motorcycle is cool. They've be, always been right. cool. So we can talk about money till you're blue in the face. Nobody wants to get burnt. Nobody wants to get ripped off. I'm kind of naive. I genuinely think that 90% of people who are selling old bikes don't want to rip people off either. They want a fair price for their bike. And that's not necessarily a realistic price, because guess what? They've been reading the magazines. Hey, man, it's an RD350. It's worth 4,000 bucks. <laughs> and it ran when it was parked 20 years ago. Well, guess what? It's not worth 4,000 bucks anymore. I'm going to introduce you to my friend Labyrinth Seal. They just want the best price for their bike. Yeah. Converse you want to get that thing for the best price but if you have to pay a little bit too much and you have to spend a little bit too much getting it going that's just fine if you get the experience when you ride it the biggest thing that you need is commitment to that bike it is a relationship you're getting married to it when you buy that bike you'd better fix it up because the prize for you is never hearing a bike you get it running, you hear the thing, you hear its voice, you get on it and you ride it down the road and scare the living crap out of yourself. Usually. There is nothing like it, yeah. absolutely nothing like it. To me, I like the big stuff. I've always loved the big stuff. I've got this thing for big Suzuki's. It's really, it's quite a disgusting thing, really. Well, talk, but, talk, talk, about, talk about your water buffalo. Oh, the wa my water buffalo. I've got a 76, 74 water buffalo. When I bought this bike, it was so bad. The guy gave me a shovel. <laughs> and he said, that pile of rusty crap in the corner of the garage is your bike. And I shoveled it into the back of my pickup truck. <laughs> but I had a frame and I had a title. And I fixed it up. I painted it flake tangerine, which was the correct color for 74. I got, it's a very, very nice bike. Right now it's in the museum I work at in Pacific Grove, California. Um, and if any of you want to go on to the Jameson Classic Motorcycle Museum, you'll see it. You can't friggin' miss it, it's Metal Flake Tangerine. <laughs> but the first time I heard that bike, and it's got expansion chambers on it, so you know, it sounds good. And the first time I did 100 miles an hour on it, on something I built from nothing, nothing like it. Am I underwater in that bike? You better believe I'm underwater in that bike. I spent $8,000 on it. I could probably get six, maybe less than that. 
It's, it's a nice bike, but it's not an $8,000 bike, but it doesn't matter. Because the miles I did on it, I did 20,000 miles on it from when I built it. And I loved every second of it. And would I do it again, spend the same amount? Hell yeah, in a heartbeat. It's the and cheapest hobby in the world in the long run. I know it sounds cheaper ridiculous. cheaper than a therapist. It is cheaper than a therapist. It is cheaper than a drug habit. It's cheaper than kids. Um, putting are, money, are we talking money or yeah. emotions? No, putting money into motorcycles isn't the deal. It's the emotions, and sometimes it can be the frustration. Sometimes it can be the, the, the victory of the whole thing. I beat it. I finally made it work. I finally got smart enough to understand what the heck it took to make it operate. You overcome a lot of stuff that you really don't necessarily experience every day when you're going to work. Right. And you get a lot of satisfaction from it. When you're in your garage and you're with your tools and your bike and you make it work and now it's done and you can move on to your next bike or your next thing, it feels pretty good. Well, and I, th I think we all can relate to that, that barn find we had or this old bike or whatever. I, there's this 83 uh, XR350 <laughs> we, were, we were fighting with. And you take it apart and you go through it. You know, we're, Anyway, we went through the whole thing. But when you put it all back together and you kick it and kick it and kick it and kick it and kick it, and then it starts, there's no better feeling in the world than getting an old motorcycle that didn't run to run and you get to ride it around. So there's a lot to that. Well, and we're, we're talking about old motorcycles and we're, of course we're here at Vintage Days where there's thousands. I'm convinced that the Trail 70 is the currency here. Yep. When I bought a burger, they give me a kickstand as my change. <laughs> That's it. That's um, well, we, we've, the, the relationship is the bigger the bike or the smaller the bike, the bigger the right. guy. Bigger the That's guy. A, it's a game. Yeah. But yeah, you know, Every single person in this room, we all share the same thing. We all share either a love of motorcycles or the love of somebody who loves motorcycles. It's nothing better than that. It's a, it's a lifestyle, it's a community. I, I went pro mechanic in 1978. I've given my life to this industry. Are you single? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But I have given my whole. Meanwhile, life the guy's got a. To motorcycle. He's got a whole grip of bikes that don't run. And I wouldn't. <laughs> I know your trick. I would never trade a minute of it. This is the most wonderful industry. It's the most wonderful community of people. It's. Christ, if it wasn't for motorbikes, I would either have put a gun to my head yeah. or I'd be in a rubber room. So I want to take a second. We're, we're going to ask questions in a second, but I want to point out how interesting it is. Something that we all have in common. We love to wrench. We love the old bikes. But here's the contradiction that's happening. Yeah, shit see just the, got weird. See the, the hat that Phil brought out here? Man, I guess... Zero I am, bikes. Electric I am bikes. equally embarrassed, but also excited about this. Uh... I, I had a very bad relationship with technology as a whole. It's only ever cost me money. And I'm like, why doesn't this work right? I just bought you four years ago. You're supposed to last forever, and now you already <laughs> suck. You know? And why won't you start being cool again? And uh, then I was kind of like, I was kind of like this weird outlying voyeur to like electric motorcycles and cars and crap. And, uh, you know, my whole thing has been gasoline my whole life. I'm, a, I'm that guy. I'm the petrol head. I'm the gearhead. I'm that kid that stole your lawnmower and fixed it <laughs> and then sold it. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I love crap. We rode around my neighborhood on everything that had a piston in it, and we would trade dead batteries at the scrapyard for Briggs & Stratton horizontal shaft motors. And they saw us coming with our little radio flyer wagons full of dead batteries. And that was a currency then, too. So, like, for me, we were riding zero. I rode a zero on a demo ride, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah. And it is weird. If you guys haven't ridden one, go give one a shot. Uh, they're, uh, they're 116 foot-pounds of torque. That is God pushing you against your will forward into the future and you're dragging your soul behind you going fuck where do i plug in the extension cord right yeah that's the that's the reserve tank the double secret reserve is the the harbor freight generator behind you um but if i run out of but if i run out of the side of the road can you bring me a gallon of electricity no i can't but yeah well that's the right it is a flux capacitor and that's the weirdest thing that's happening right now is this is AMA vintage motorcycle days. And we're out here literally doing zero motorcycles. <laughs> this isn't a plug, well, by the way. They're not sponsoring this. An electric motorcycle in five years is vintage. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like an <laughs> Apple computer. But, hey, where'd you get that old turd? But yeah. I just it's fascinating if you ha love motorcycles, love two wheels, to yeah. think about... This is the future. It's coming. Yes, there will always be combustion engine motorcycles. They never got rid of all the horses, did they? You'll be riding your <laughs> right? hover bike to the zero retro but vintage rally. Just uh, imagine this world where there's no carb rejetting, no tank cleaning. You know, it's what would I do with all my no extra time? valve, no valve adjustments. I, I, once again, I'm I'm saying that I, as much as I love that, I have to have the therapy of hating myself for not being able to fix the thing I bought on an impulse and like to get my head together and go out in the garage and be like arduous task horrible sense of accomplishment and achievement I am important again and viable as a human being because I can ride around this piece of low-tech 26 horsepower CB 350 and get embarrassed by everybody who pulls up to me next to me on his like street glide going like nice yeah, real nice bike man it's great you know but you're not cool as me and then i'm like eh, i ride a vespa too so ciao yeah. so i do suggest if you haven't had a chance they're they're filled up today but tomorrow if you're here try out the zeros but i wanted to i wanted to thank all of you for coming yeah, here thanks, to guys. this room this is yeah. amazing whenever we do these podcasts you know we all started out at a point we didn't know that anyone was listening and i think the thing that's fun about our podcast is i don't think either either of us really tried to be something that we weren't we don't talk in our radio voices we don't necessarily always give you the news or information Information, but it's what's going on rattling around in our heads and, what do you and in mean, our groups. Huh? I always you? talk in my radio <laughs> voice. We just have fun with it, and I just appreciate so much the feedback that we get from everybody, and, and I hope that you enjoy it as well as, as much as we do. <laughs> we have a good time. But I wanted to take a chance to see if anybody has any questions about anything at all or if anyone wants to answer the question that I haven't asked because I don't want to get in trouble from Serena but you know the question the soothing you know the well, question. Let, let, let's wait who has a bike that won't run right and they can't figure it out Everybody's bikes running Just, good. Wow. They're, they're good. Come on. Wait a minute. Oh, here All right, we, we go. got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> we have a we have two winners. Okay. Two. We have a wiener. Okay, we go back. All right. 
Hello. What's up? Hello. What can't you fix and what's the issue? St- uh, step up here to a mic. First of all, you guys say your name and then say you are a motoholic. <laughs> and and after, Thank well, you for coming. And what I'd like to say, Liza, is after your question, we have a question for you. Right. Yes, yes, we do. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. All right, so my name is Drew Davis. Hello, hey, Drew, Drew Davis. Hello. Um, I don't have a vintage bike. That's okay. That's right. So I got, a, I got an 04 uh, 1300 Custom. Okay. Right? Should have stuck with the 82 Honda. 1300 Custom what? BTX. Okay. Oh, okay. Thir- Very good. 1300 BTX. So... Um, Last year, ran beautifully. Right. This year, got it out, started riding it. Every single time I get out of the throttle, it backfires. Oh, you get off the throttle? Every time. It don't ma- Every time I shift, if I, if I just let out Do you have factory throttle, exhaust or aftermarket exhaust? I, I have Cobra aftermarket. Oh, hey, well, up. okay. So, Drew, <laughs> you've, got, you've got two problems going on. The Cobra exhaust, you're going to get a lot of backfiring, but there's a natty little device in the carburetor called the cut valve and it's a tiny little diaphragm that lives on the side of the carburetor mm-hmm. and yours has got a hole in it darling yep. replace the cut valve and that will be the end of your backfiring it problem backfire. it's well, gonna no it, it won't backfire as much it, it's yeah because you've still got cobras right. but it's not going to do the machine gun it's right. going to cost you 26 dollars from the cobra catalog pull off the gas tank um and you'll see the cut valve on the side it's about the size of a quarter yep. So well, that's what that would have been really for. helpful before I ordered the uh, the jet kit that I just got. So. <laughs> well, you know, you should, jet you kit will do nothing for you, darling. Yeah, the uh, the bikes. Anytime you do that and you put pipes on your bike, it is important to make sure you are matching the jet yeah. kit to the pipes you're putting on. Right. Because guess what? Factory jetting is weird. Um, it's not it's there for your enjoyment from Honda. Right. Yeah, so it's not there for your enjoyment. And you know, the VTX is set up lean anyway, yeah. as it's most super. Hondas. You know. Right. Hondas, every, oh, my Honda's very cold-blooded. Well, guess what? They set them up lean. Exactly. Set them up fat. They're not cold-blooded anymore. And it's the nature of the VTX. Right, because two years ago when I put the pipes on, I got a Cobra kit for it. Yes. Right. Exactly. Just to match it. That's right. But that's not your backfiring problem. Your backfiring problem is the cut valve. Yeah. That, Thank you very much. That You're val- that very valve, welcome. That valve enriches the mixture as you're coasting. So if it, hey, if drop your Nighthawk at the gas station again, would you? Now hold on. We got a question for we you have now, a question All right. Now you have to face our question. Excellent. Liza? I'll go with the original question. Yeah, go with the original question. What is your up-the-butt bike? <laughs> now to clarify, this, this just means the bike that you'd be willing to sacrifice your fifth point of contact in order to own. <laughs> Everybody has one, a bike you look at and you go, Phew. I'd do that. I'd, I'd go there. But for that. It's, it's really terrible for me because I've never owned an American-made uh, motorcycle. That's all right. But the breakout CVO, yeah. I would take it up the butt for hey. a All right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. What a good sport. What a great sport. Thanks. For Anyone that, else man. have a, a question? We got we one back another- here. We had another question until the up question. the butt bike yeah, came he, up. Yeah. He was no, like, no, I'm no, out. <laughs> are, are you <laughs> ready for oh, the up the butt bike oh, question? Oh, we got well, one come on up here. Nope. And then oh, come he's on leaving. Carburetors been sitting for years. Right. What chemical do you guys use? Ooh, All right, good one. So wow. what, what chemical do you use on carburetors? Been well, luckily you have the carburetor whisperer <laughs> yeah, right here. That's yeah, true. Unfortunately, there's no real substitute. So. You'll hear people say, oh, I'm going to have my carbs sonic cleaned. All sonic cleaning is going to do is make the outside look pretty. Right. Your, your, 
your tools for cleaning a carburetor, this is what I do. Yeah. I get a nice white cloth, lay it on my workbench, take your carburetors off, dismantle them completely. If they're twin carburetors, just do one at a time. Get, um, what do you call those things that you rod out the jets with? The, uh, the, like the guitar the strings? What? Well, welding rods, wire, you can use... You, you can, you uh, you can use those my gently. Favorite, my favorite is the brass brushes. Right. Steal a brass brush or buy one at Harbor Fraught for like a buck or three of them. Take your player, pull out bristle at a time. So like one brass mm -hmm. brush is like 400 starter jets you can clean. And then they're exactly. going to lose them anyway. Just but brass be is it. gentle. Yeah. Do you have air in your garage? The brass won't mess up the uh, jets. Do you either, have compressed so. air in your garage? It's perfect. Mm -hmm. You cannot beat good quality carburetor cleaner. Even Berryman's really yeah. good. And compressed air. It's the safest thing. And for the jets that you really cannot clean, the brass brush method is perfect. And a jet, remember, even, even a pilot jet, tiny hole. If you hold it up to the light, you can see through it. If you can't see through it, it's plugged. Yeah. But here's what you don't want to do. Take the jet out. And then put the compressed air on it because you will shoot that sucker across yeah. the garage. Never right. see it again. Take, make sure you get all the tiny O-rings out of there before you put compressed air <laughs> right. in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you attack a carburetor in your hand that you've been like, hey, carburetor cleaner, carburetor cleaner, carburetor cleaner, compressed air, you're gonna be blind for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> right. It goes right into your eyeballs. I don't care what you're doing. If you're wearing the safety squints and you got the safety squints on, it's going right in. It's gonna find it every time. And yeah, stuff flies out of carburetors. So cool, it's great. Can we ask what bike it is? I got two. I got beams on BMWs. I got angles on Yep. I got okay. I mean, that's that's all basic stuff. But as far as chemicals go, everybody's like chem dip, and there's a. Everybody has a different secret sauce that they use. I've got people that swear by you know vinegar and water in the ultrasonic. Uh, right. I've tried everything, and you're like all you're doing is cleaning the parts you can get to. Can I can I just talk about amols for a minute? How many people in here have got Brit bikes? Did you bikes? say amols? Yeah. So we got a few Amol? people with Brit bikes. Right. <laughs> um, <coughs> a lot of people A-M-A-L. Will, A -M -A, -L. a lot of people will strip down Amol concentrics and say, hey, where's the pilot jet? Because it's just got screwed holes. There is a pilot jet in an Amol concentric Mark I, but to get to it, you take out the air screw and you'll look inside and it's three-stepped hole. You've got one step where the head of the screw goes, then another step which is the threaded part, and then it goes into a third and final step, and there's a tiny jet that's pressed in there. And if you don't clean that out, so what I usually do is I'll lay the carburetor on its side, fill that up with a good carbure quality carburetor cleaner, let it sit overnight so it can attack the gunk, and then just get one strand, and you can feel it go clunk, clunk, Clunk. Is this your top tip? Yeah. So yeah. cleaning out amols, you've got to clear out that pilot jet. I've taken amols apart, and somebody has actually screwed in a pilot jet where it shouldn't go. Yeah. There was never a fitting for pilot jets there. Yeah. So it's behind the air screw. It's a very good carburetor. They've, a lot of people trash them and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to put Mikunis on my British bike. The British carburetor will flow far more air than any Mikuni if you get them running right. It's cool. a very good carburetor. So what is your up-the-butt bike? I know you've put a lot of thought into We will this. choose one for you. I'll let one get away. It was a Triumph 
X75. Yeah. X75. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. stuck on me. You know, was trying it out. Right. Had to reach under behind the headlight and switch it off. Was it orange, orange, or orange? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Arguably one of the most beautiful motorcycles ever. Oh, it, oh great. It is the best looking, yeah. appalling bike ever made. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Because anything that's got three cylinders with Triumph on the tank is an appalling bike. I'm sorry, guys. They were terrible. We said that's the one you want to date, but definitely not the one but you want to marry. But my God, what a, what a great looking <laughs> yeah. bike. But Very awesome. cool. What a turd. I so, think you did well. Yeah. So I want to thank everyone coming out. I know you have a question. We'll, we'll get that off the air. We need to wrap up here. But I wanted to thank everyone for coming out and especially AMA for putting on this event. This is a amazing yeah it yep. truly is for anyone who hasn't been here you need to come down i mean we're going to be spending four days here and i still am not going to see everything right oh. yeah this is a yeah, good one. I'll, I'll i'll say you know we came out here from california and, I, and what i've realized is you guys do appreciate what you have here what you have here is something truly special we can't do this liza came out last year this is my first year I was here on Thursday afternoon, and it was the coolest damn thing I have ever seen in my life. And it gets cooler every day. So, A, thank you for having us out here and open your arms to people like us that can come out and enjoy it. And, B, I know you guys appreciate it, but this is truly something unique and special you have here. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, this is a really good time, and that's embrace it. You know, enjoy it while you're here. It's, um, it's official. Uh, it's stopped being moist. It is, it is now and going to be. Yeah. The other thing I want to say is, you guys are the nicest group of people I've ever met. I high sided one of one of one of Phil's <laughs> brand new zeros in the corner the other. Like the 15 minutes I'm here, I'm high sighting a zero in the corner in the mud. I made 20 new friends like that. Yeah, they, it was they great. And these are all the Louvin like cafe racer guys. So you know, if a guy's gonna eat shit on a electric motorcycle in front of a bunch of literally like you know Dime City devotees, and he does it. I would have thought there would have just been like, yeah, that's what you get, asshole. Right? <laughs> well but done, what, jerk. But like, no, they were like, good good job. Wait, man, you, you dug it in there. And then, Way to go. Yeah. Got back up and everything. Cool. I had like, I had like five like, people get a beer. looking for parts. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, you convinced a bunch of, you convinced a bunch of like waxed cotton jacket dudes. I yeah. mean like true millennial squeaky leather dudes to help you find like a little piece of plastic that big. I walked around. You guys were like looking for a contact lens in deep mud. That's because I knew you were going <laughs> to kick my ass. Yeah, well, but I, to, the, the, to the people that live out here, you guys are the most generous, yeah. nicest people I have ever met. Thank you very much for the hospitality because we are having the time of our lives out here. Well, and lastly, I want to thank Phil because he's the one who we learned about this from, from his podcast, and then inviting us out here and putting us up yeah, for this event. We appreciate it. It is fun. I mean, this is a good thing. You share it with your friends. You get more people involved in it. It kind of grows itself, and then uh, you have other people that can buy your crap from you when you give up on it. That's <laughs> always good. The uh, This... That's the love of the game. That's what we do. We we just kind of share it and spread it around a little bit. And uh, with that, guys, remember to... Well, I'm not going to sing you out. We usually no. sing you out. <laughs> I won't allow it. I won't allow it. I'm no. just going to sign it. off of my standard. I'm just going to say, I, I have to say, drive fast and take chances. See you guys. We're out of here. Cool, 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 cool. 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 Thanks, guys.